You're listening to the Viva La Mami podcast, a podcast about all things motherhood. I'm your host, Jessica Cuevas. I am a mother of one on a mission to redefine the meaning of motherhood as a first-generation, bilingual, and bicultural Latina mommy. Regardless if we feel like a failure from time to time, or if we succeeded with the little things in our motherhood journey, it is important to celebrate all of these experiences as madres. So bring your cafecito as I invite you to be a part of this space and create raw and honest conversations about the exciting and challenging parts of being a mommy. Ahora, vámonos. Hola, hola, amiga. It is the month of June, and we are celebrating Father's Day in this three-episode series. If you haven't heard the first episode of the three-part series, which is episode 33, we had Efraín Reyes from Latino Dad Connection. I highly encourage you to listen to episode 33 so that you can hear more about Efraín's fatherhood journey and more. On this week, I had the pleasure of interviewing two dads who are actively involved with their families, in their communities, and beyond. They share ways in which they have empowered other Latino dads to become engaged and aware of their fathering, all while creating community with other Latino dads. I had the pleasure of interviewing Joe Saucedo and Sergio Rosario Diaz. Joe is a proud father of three boys, husband, hermano, tío, and son. A native of San Antonio, Texas, he's a first-generation college graduate now living in the Chicago suburbs, and he works at a non-for-profit consulting Illinois college and university leadership teams on reducing graduation disparities based on race, ethnicity, and income status. For the past few years, Joe has volunteered with Fathering Together, a non-for-profit that serves a community of dads and male caregivers across the U.S. and on a global scale. He's active in his son's elementary school and this year launched a school-based chapter of a dad's group. Sergio Rosario Diaz is a musician, educator, and fatherhood advocate, husband to a U.S. Army officer, and father of a six-year-old girl. All of Sergio's work on behalf of parents relies on the support of online communities through social media. Sergio is also the founder of Soy Super Papa, which promotes unifying fathers from all over the world and provides a safe space to foster an active parenting culture and break the stereotypes fathers face when parenting. Sergio is a board member of the National At-Home Dad Network, founder of Proyecto Piquete, Drums for Veterans, and a graduate of the Facebook Accelerator Program. This year, he received the President's Volunteer Service Award for his community work in North Carolina. I had a great conversation with these two gentlemen. These two individuals do so much, not just out there in their communities, but also at their home as present fathers. And it really was a great conversation that I had with them. As we honor our papas this month, I think it gives me comfort in knowing that there's so many dads out there, including the ones that I personally know, especially like my hubby, who are engaged and really want to make effective change and how they are breaking that stereotype of uninvolved Latino dads. 
And so without further ado, here's my interview with Joe Salcedo and Sergio Rosario Diaz. Hola, hola, Joe and Sergio. How are you both? Hey, doing well. Great. Good. Presente. Good. Presente. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you both so much for being here. I really appreciate it because you're both very busy individuals. You do a lot for the community. You do a lot for your families. You do a lot for yourselves and your professional and personal growth. The reason why I, I invited you both to, to be a part of this conversation is because we are currently celebrating Dia de Padres during the month of June. And so what better way to have you both here? I know that Viva La Mami is intended for mamas, right? But I think as we learn more about the nuances of fatherhood, how can moms also support dads, right? How can we both work together? How can we not isolate Los Papas también, because I think that that is such a big part and piece of the family dynamic, right? And we're definitely going to talk a lot about fathering and about building community and about, you know, how we can build coalitions within the Latino dad community. But first, I'd like to get to know you a little bit more and for our listeners to get to know you. And so, Sergio, I'm going to go with you first. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? My name is Sergio Rosario Diaz. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. Now I live in the U.S. Uh, 10 years ago, and I am married to a wonderful Boricua. She is a U.S. Army officer, an attorney, and we have a wonderful daughter named Stella. She's six, fully bilingual, and we're out here in, in Virginia, in central Virginia, and, you know, it's life has its ways to, to, you know, in my case, it's, it's my wife's job, right? As a dad, I, I decided the day I met my wife and knew like, you know, what her job was and how important it was, her career. I was like, hmm, I'm, I'm going to have to be, or I chose to be a different and, mm-hmm. and I chose to be her biggest supporter. And with mm-hmm. that comes uh, taking on non-traditional roles. Right. I knew mm-hmm. I wasn't going to become the traditional dad because that's something I experienced when I was a kid. I didn't want that. But also my mm-hmm. wife's career and profession led me to mm-hmm. take a different role in, in our relationship and in our my daughter's life. So I, I can say very different. I would say spouse, military spouse. Our household is not traditional. Now I work at, at federal government, but I was a stay-at-home dad for many years. And due to that, my wife was able to accomplish big things in her career, which we are, you know, we're, we're picking that fruit right now. Estamos cosechando, right? <laughs> those frutos of those years. Sometimes it's hard to see when you make decisions like that. But then as life passes and our children grow, you start to see those frutos. And you're like, oh, my God, thank God that decision was made. And yeah, I mean, I like to say um, I do many things. I'm a professional musician as well. I I do a lot of things. Joe knows I'm involved in fatherhood and in a board of an organization. I'm also involved with the organization that Joe also works with, Fathering Together, the National At Home Dad Network, my own organization for Latino, that's Soy Super Papa. I, I like to go bowling at least once a week, bowling night. That's my time off. And I like to do music music gigs. I, I like to stay busy. I say that 
life is too short. So while I have the energy, I want to do mm -hmm. a lot of things because when I'm old, I like to be one of those, you know, abuelos where they're like debajo del palito, underneath the tree <laughs> and with their coffee and, you know, listening to music and say, well, I done my share. I want to, yeah. you know, enjoy the family in, in another aspect. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. That is wonderful. And just how much wisdom you would develop, right? And and share that to, to the future generations. Yeah, con los... Cuando seas viejito, right? Yeah, yeah I want to so, do that. I say, hey, yeah. come here, mijo. Let me, yeah. let me tell you a story. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and introduction. And Joe, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And if I can just say kudos to you, Jessica, for launching this platform and really creating space for, for us to learn and continue to grow and also know that we're not in this work alone. This work of, of parenting, it can feel daunting. It is daunting and it can sometimes feel lonely. Um, but I really thank you for creating the space, you and Sergio both, and what you do. So thank you. My name is Joe Salcedo. So I am I'll share my family story with my unit now, but I'll give you some background. I grew up in San Antonio, Texas, so I'm a proud Tejano. My parents grew up there. Two out of my four grandparents grew up there as well in, in Texas, and I am one of two sets of twins, so four kids in my family and two sets of twins. So I have an identical twin, and so I say that that's very profound about that identity of being a twin, I think really shapes who I am and how I am the way I am. So but he is in California and I'm here in Chicago area with my family. And we had the great fortune to grow up with our abuelos down the street, actually very lucky. My parents were both working. They got their high school diploma and then immediately started working. And my mom just retired after 43 years. Like she retired from a job like three years ago, which is wild. And then my dad is still working at a grocery store. And I don't know if he'll ever retire and I think that's a whole nother podcast episode of <laughs> his relationship and my mom with my mom. But we were very fortunate to grow up with my grandparents down the street who often, you know, took care of us when my parents were working. And then we had a great grandmother down the street even further who was available. So I, I think now as I reflect, I'm like, wow, I was very, it was such a blessing. And so fast forward to my own family now, you know, we live so far from a lot of our family members. I've got in-laws that are spread out across the country. And then my parents still live in, in San Antonio and then I've got family in California. And so, but that was by choice, you know, that my wife and I made and because of our career paths and how we met. And my wife, actually, I don't know if I shared this with Sergio before, because we've known each other now a, a few years through our work, but she is a military veteran, an Air Force veteran. And so I will say as, as a Latina, she's biracial as well, like did not have the, the most positive experience in the military, but it certainly grounded her and has shaped her. And we've had talks about that, you know, as well. And it's informed the ways that she's shown up, you know, and the ways that we decide on how we're splitting, you know, the duties in the household and things like that. So Sergio mentioned, you know, being non-traditional, choosing to be a, you know, non-traditional father. And, and that resonates with me too, because there's mm. things that I'm doing in terms of housekeeping or changing diapers and things like that, that my dad never did, or his father never did. And that was just the way it was. Right. So I'm actively trying to, to do my part, you know, to, to raise my kids. And so I've got three kids now, all boys, the oldest is eight. My second is going to turn five in a couple of weeks next week, actually. And then our baby is two years old. 
so they were a handful. I I feel like I'm always exhausted because they require a lot of energy. But when I can do things on my own, I enjoy just going outside, running, exercising, listening to music. I'm trying to plan some date nights for my wife and I with the summer coming. You might realize like it takes effort to carve out time for ourselves and also for our partners, our relationship. So the marriage is is a whole nother thing. So anyway, I'm happy to be here and, and happy to talk with you all. Yeah, thank you both for your introductions and how you evolve, right? Like we all evolve once we become parents. And it's interesting, like not only do we evolve with our children, but also we kind of evolve as individuals in terms of like reflection and how we were brought up, you know, and, and how that aspect of us like growing up with our families or with relatives or with you know, friends or neighbors, whatever it is, like how that makes an impact in the way that we parent too. And whether we we choose to follow along that path or do it completely different, right? And that is just so interesting, just kind of hearing your background and stories. And so the reason why I have you both here is because I really want to have a conversation about building community, right? How fathers can be involved within their own community at home, right? And and just so that they kind of have a contribution in that aspect, right? Because oftentimes we kind of put dads to like the back burner. We couldn't kind of put them to the side, you know? And currently at the time of this recording, I'm pregnant and I feel like all the attention right now is like to me and our baby that we are expecting, our second baby. And I'm like, well, what, you know, how does my husband feel right now? And so even with that little aspect, right? Like I feel like oftentimes we don't provide and give that little spotlight to the to fathers and what you both do i think that that is i feel like we're changing kind of like the the narrative we're changing momentum and so the first question i have for you sergio is what sparked your interest in creating soy super papa oh that's a great question but first i want to comment on what you say we always have this saying in soy super papa that baby grows inside mom but baby is also growing in our minds so we can't feel it physically mm -hmm. but it baby is growing in our minds in our head in our hearts there's this image that i like to share a lot where mom has a baby inside it's growing and the baby is growing in dad's heart and in, in his head it's such a beautiful image very powerful I've, I've been a guest on different panels forums and people always ask me what can I do like woman? They ask me, what can I do to m make my husband feel more included? And I always tell them, you know, you need to allow him time to become a dad because, you know, you, you carry a baby nine months, but we are not feeling those changes. So once baby is there, that's our first direct contact, right? Like that tangible experience. So I would say it's different stages, right? At the beginning, it's us being more of a supportive role while you breastfeed and you're recovering and babies. But then, you know, and then we're more around the household doing everything, the chores, cooking, making sure everything is clean. However, then becomes our responsibility to make time as men to be there for baby. And also moms, you have to not feel the guilt of, Here's a baby. I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to go do something. 
because that time is essential for father and baby to make and create that bond as important as it's creating the family bond when the three of you are together. So that's something for mom, just, you know, some, some little sprinkles of knowledge <laughs> from, from a community leader. And I think that, you know, led me in 2016 to look for some birthing lessons that were different. That was the first thing I did when I knew I was going to become a dad. And it was like, oh, my God, it's more of the same. Like, you know, hold mommy's hand and just tell her to breathe. And I was like, oh, my God, this is this, there has to be more. I came across this guy called Brian Salmon. Call him in Espanol with much love. Brian Salmon. He's in mm -hmm. San Antonio. And he's a male doula. Brian is my great friend. And Brian had a has a course called the Rocking Dads. And these are mm -hmm. birthing classes. Let me tell you, it's amazing. Like these classes really changed my perspective because these classes, even my wife said, this is better than the two classes we taken. We took like a holistic approach class and then we took one like in the military, like hospital. And it talked about how we as men can be there for mom in every single step of the way. So it gives us that attention that we need. We're not, we're in the supportive role, right? But we need to know what's happening and how to be there emotionally and physically, which sometimes we're there physically, but emotionally we're not invested because we don't know what really is happening. Mm -hmm. So based on that, I was like, wow, like this is super good. I would love to kind of like continue this concept of like rock stars or super heroes, super papas. And my wife is like, you got to create something. And it's like, okay, we started looking for a name and soy super papa, you know, just, just happened with the notion of creating a different community, but also having a, a community that was for Spanish speakers because the, all the information, I feel like the really valuable information, all these new studies and all these new things happening, they were all in English. I mean, I live in the U.S. and I speak English at work, you know, for eight hours. But I come home and I want to. I talk Spanish. I read mm -hmm. Spanish. I listen. I listen to mostly music in Spanish. So you know, I wanted something that I can just read or watch and consume in my own language. And I was like, there's back then there wasn't anything, so I had to create mm -hmm. it. And we started like translating materials, posting videos that we found around the Spanish community, and all of a sudden it took off. You know, we're a community of like, I think it's like almost 400,000 wow. fathers. But then we started, you know, doing different things on, until now we focus more on our members, on having a, a safe space, having like an exchange of information, different situations, different fathers for di different types of kids, different ages, different parts of the world. And, and yeah, Soy Super Papa has been kind of like my journey, ever evolving journey through fatherhood and the community has been great i am nothing but blessed in that sense yeah i love it and and basically how you created this platform out of need verdad necesidad and oftentimes again like yes you can find many resources in spanish for mamas pero que tal a los papas right and and i'm glad that you created this as a way that okay there there are definitely some missing gaps and you did it and look at your platform that is amazing yeah, felicidades. <laughs> yes. And so, Joe, 
You are very involved, you know, based on our conversations that we've had. And, and just for our listeners to know, we, Joe and I have like, we've known each other for like, what, I don't know, eight years. It's been maybe? A, I think it's so. Been, yeah. When we I were was at a Loyola. young professional. <laughs> I can't believe how fast time has gone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And how you've grown in the profession as well. But yeah, like I never knew how involved you were you know, once you became a dad, and I love that about you, right? That you are not only involved at like your son's PTA, you know, at school, but also through fathering together. So what kind of sparked your interest in becoming an involved parent through those mediums? Yeah, well, yeah, and it, it feels like just yesterday, those days that, that, so we worked together at Loyola University of Chicago. I'll say, you know, my lens has always been shaped by diversity and inclusion. Like that was my my day job there was to promote social justice and keep, you know, essentially bring the mission of the university to life. And how do we empower our students who often go or who are harmed, right, by the in the process of being students or being employees. And so I met so many great people, including yourself. And I'll say one of those people I met also was Brian Anderson, who is a co-founder of the nonprofit now. It wasn't, I think it's only been a, a couple of years that they've had their 501c3 status, but mm-hmm. Brian Anderson co-founded Fathering Together with another student affairs practitioner who was based out of Michigan. And I met him as well doing some volunteer work for, for student affairs professionals. So the world is really, really small. But I at the time, Brian was a campus minister at Loyola University of Chicago, mostly working with undergrads and he, I think, had left the institution by this point when he became a dad and then launched, co-founded Fathering Together. But it was really established first as a Facebook group called Dads with Daughters. And I believe maybe that's how Sergio, you might have known Brian, but it was this collective that just grew and grew over time on Facebook. And it was a community, an online community exclusively. And they, over time, reached, I think, members of over 200, 300,000, you know, and and it spanned beyond the U.S. as well. So it was pretty cool. But I got to be honest with you both that my, I kind of learned the hard way. So my evolution as a dad was really a result of making some mistakes. So right about the time when I was working at Loyola, I became a dad for the first time to my oldest. I was just at the brink of going through some transition in the workplace. So my supervisor had left and then there was turnover. There was an opportunity for me to pursue a promotion to become a director of a department and, and all of that. And it was really a dream job, but but the timing was just what it was. And so what ended up, the short story is that I looking back and my wife told me like I wasn't as present as I could be to really help share the stress, the corajes, the everything, you know, all the newness around preparing for for parenthood and our lives were going to change. Right. And so once the baby came, like I was there for classes and, and, and other things. But once the baby came, that's right around the time that I had to I, I really prioritized the work. Looking back, it, that's just what it was. And it wasn't healthy. And I was exhausted, but then six months in, my wife's like, we need to, I need help. <laughs> and so thankfully, we, I reached out to people. I think Brian was one of them too at the time. And I, we found ourselves a couples counselor. We, we were in couples counseling for the very first time. I had never gone to mental health therapy before in my life. And I, I wish I did, you know, earlier in life, but, but we were there together and we talked about all the things that I should have been doing and wasn't. And I, you know, I I just learned a lot about myself and about the goals that I wanted to have for our marriage. And then so through that process of of 
self-discovery of trying to meet my wife and her needs and what she needed from me as a partner, it was very humbling. And so, but after that, I really committed to just be more present and and making sure that work wasn't the priority. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I just needed to shift my, the balance. It was just imbalance. And so I am so grateful that I got connected with Brian through Fathering Together as well, because what it is, it has a mission to empower fathers, male caregivers across you know the, the globe to be agents for positive change. And so one of the ways that they go about doing that is to really dismantle what masculinity tends to mean, right? And I think even moving away from the language of toxic masculinity, it's really just sort of unpacking that there's different ways of being, of showing manhood and practicing manhood. Mm-hmm. And how does that translate to being a present figure and role model for our kids? So I'm grateful. I do. There's so much learning that I've I've been able to to gain from this online and also now in person community. And so more recently, as as recent as this past fall, I and another dad who's based in Kentucky actually launched a school based chapter of Fathering Together. So I'm also part of the PTA. And so what I did was because I was one of the only dads in PTA. I'm now one of two dads in PTA, which Good. is cool. <laughs> And we're actually on the board. I just got voted vice president for next year. So I'm excited. Oh, congrats. Yeah. And and I recruited the other male dad to be our secretary. So we're trying to, you know, just, just sort of diversify and, and increase the, the presence. But I think one of the major takeaways of that is that dads haven't often, it's not that they don't want to get involved. I think they don't know how. Like a lot of us just don't know how. And, and there's research I can share with you later that Brian and others at Fathering Together have amassed a lot of data as well. And there's research shows that a lot of times if dads were invited, you know, to the table that they will show up. Mm-hmm. But, and part of me, the you know, the social justice warrior in me thinks like, well, why are we playing into that mindset of the patriarchy and like the man, you know, mm-hmm. but then it's like, no, let, let me just be real. Like if I think about my own journey and, you know, when I've chosen to be there and show up, it helps when somebody invites you into the community, right? And and we shouldn't assume, you know, that there's no desire for dads to want to be there for their kids or for their spouse or for their partner. So anyway, it's been quite a journey and I'm, I'm you know, happy about what, what the future holds for that. Thank you so much for sharing and also for disclosing that you and your wife went to couples counseling because it's kind of like a taboo in our community, especially in the Latino community. And, yeah. you know, as we know, mental health is already something that it's out of the table, right? You don't even talk about how you really feel and, and seeking professional help. So thank you for disclosing that because that validates like, you know, the, the rawness of, of a relationship, especially when yeah. it becomes kind of rocky when you are first time parents and, and how do you really seek help to to just like work it out. And so why do you think fatherhood programs like the ones that you are involved in are necessary? You know, you and Joe, I guess you you kind of mentioned like it's just a matter of inviting them, right? Mm-hmm. And so being that you both are part of very unique programs, um, Sergio, you created it. Joe, you're a part of one. Like why are they necessary for dads? I think, you know, every father has their own identity. It's like an own, like every every child you have, it's like your own a footprint, right? It's it's super different. And the same goes with our personal journeys uh, as men, as dads, as sons, you know, family members. And I think 
there has to be or, or or there should be plenty of organizations because that way we can identify i remember fathering together mm-hmm. first was dads with daughters so i'm a yeah. dad of a daughter and as soon as i met the, the the guys in that organization i was just like oh this is me you know i'm a dad <laughs> with a daughter and she's like my everything and i became involved and this is just you know having that open space it's it's like the neighbor that tells you hey if you need anything yeah. knock on my door and mm-hmm. you take that seriously and you need a little bit of sugar or you need something remember when there wasn't any toilet paper when the pandemic happened <laughs> so you went yeah. and knocked on the door and hey this is a moment where i really need you but you take that word seriously so mm-hmm. in my case i always say that fatherhood is a decision we make every day right when you when you wake up and you mm-hmm. decide hey, today I'm, I can be a better father. It's the only decision that we can make every day and that we can actually Im- improve Like in the, in the sense of today I was only allowed to give my 80% mm-hmm. because I had to give that other 20% to, to work or I was just tired or you know I went, I had a tough day. But you can go to bed and next day you can wake up and say, today I'm going to give my 110%. It's a decision that we have to make every day. And with that comes different organizations that focus on different layers and different aspects of fatherhood. When we talk about fatherhood, it's just not one thing. Fatherhood Mm -hmm. is universal. It's so many things that I think each organization plays a crucial role. uh, I would say adding and giving that value of something different towards fatherhood. That's the main, right? It's like the big familia. So to me, it's, you know, having these spaces for all different types of dads, that's that's just amazing. How do you identify as a dad? That's personal. Mm-hmm. But how do you fit an organization that's having options? Maybe that's why, what our dads didn't have back then, options. Not even one. Now our generation has multiple and our mm-hmm. next generation will have even more. So I think it's it's about that. It's about diversity. It's about the mission. It's about how to, you know, you approach like something as simple as what Joe does in his school, you know, have a dad's group. I wish I had one in my daughter's school. I've been thinking about opening one. It's just it's it's just I do so much stuff. It's like, oh, what time? But I would love it. I would love it if we had one. So, you know, it's 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 about having those options. What do you think, Joe? 100%, brother. Like, I, I truly think, and, and obviously I think people are going to come into these spaces seeking something unique, right? Like, or depending on, on where they are in, in the timeline of, of being a parent or mm. a spouse, or, or some might just be seeking comfort, education, resources. Some might just be connecting for someone who can listen, right? And I think what's been beautiful about you know, since I've been a part of Fathering Together and trying to recruit others to be a part of this, both virtually and, and in person, I'm always just drawn to the human condition and the stories, right? And I think, I mean, this goes back to even just being Latino, even. I, I embrace that there's always, since I can remember, I've always enjoyed just the storytelling by the elders in my family, mm-hmm. right, and community. And my parents, I'm, you know, I... I as as we age, I start thinking about reflecting on mortality and like thinking, well, shoot, I need to like document their stories, right? Because that's our history. And so I what I find beautiful about anytime I'm connecting with other dads is to know that I'm not in this on my own, that there's other ways to do what I'm trying to do, right? 
And then for others, it might be accountability partners, right? Like people who can say, hey, man, you're, you're messing up. Like, like here's, here's what we would recommend. Or, and like Brian, for example, I really appreciate all that he does. I don't know how he does it. Like he was at one point in time managing a full-time job and being an executive director of Fathering Together. And, and what they've done over the last few years, especially in the COVID during the pandemic, was to develop and launch a, a series of webinars focused around you know, elements of parenting, ways to be an advocate and ally for women's rights, for example. How do we advocate, you know, our legislators for different policies, for equal pay, for paid family leave, things like that. Like that, that's another avenue by which I think these fathering groups can be a resource of, of support. But yeah, it all depends. But I, I'm with you, Sergio, that the more we can normalize and 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 empower groups like this, these to exist. I think the greater opportunity there is for folks who may not see themselves fully in what exists now, there's greater opportunity for them to kind of fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, this kind of made me wonder how can fathers look like, where do you search? Like, how do you start in mm-hmm. in terms of like finding these organizations and and especially like the very, you know, affinity based groups like Soy Super Papa, you know, Fathering Together. I know that they have a branch mm-hmm. for either, you know, dads with sons, dads with daughters, Latino dads. And so mm-hmm. how how can people search this up? Is it just like a Google search or word of mouth? Well, you know, you know, when you're talking about something and your phone is listening and you're looking something up SEO. So pretty much, you know, nowadays it's easier. You just talk about it. We're probably talking about it and we're going to get a lot of fatherhood stuff in our phones later if our phones are closed. But I think it's, you know, Internet is such a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. I remember I, I told the ads, they're like, oh, how can I find more more content? I said go to Instagram, go to Facebook, go to your mm-hmm. Twitter. If you tell that, Hey, listen to this podcast. Hey, get in touch with Joe, get in touch with Brian fathering together. Soy super papa. And they start seeing that there's other men participating, that there is a, an openness to, to, to be ourselves, authentic selves. I think the approach is easier and one thing will lead to another, but as easy as opening your LinkedIn, your Facebook and Googling, like there's a, a thing called city dads. That's very popular in the mm-hmm. U S they, they are different fatherhood groups. They do meetups, different parts of the U S I think they have like over 40 chapters around different mm-hmm. cities of the U S and they either go out to the park, go out for a beer, they do events with the kids, event without the kids. So it's just you doing a quick search and getting involved. I think also talking to other dads, it's cool. I, I, I found it that that could go a long ways, but Joe, you can, I think you can explain that aspect of networking a little bit better. Yeah, no, I, I mean, in terms of the school, I will say, and I'm grateful for my current job. You know, I work at a nonprofit, you know, the focus is still tied to diversity, equity, and inclusion in higher ed in the state of Illinois. But I have a job that I can work remotely, you know, three days out of the week. And so my school, my kids go to school down the street. And so I thought, you know what, I don't know how long I'm going to be in this current place, but I'm going to, because they're small as well, you know, they're young, I'm going to try my best to be involved. And because unfortunately my wife is, she works in a school setting, she's an occupational therapist, pediatric. And so she's got a, a much more rigid, you know, schedule. And by the time she gets home, she's exhausted too. And so I go and 
show up to meetings once a month for PTA. I volunteer for events. Like tomorrow, there's actually a fundraiser, like a race around the campus, and I'll be able to help out in the morning. You know, I have a flexible schedule and I can do that. But it's funny because I often have worked with female counterparts, you know, work colleagues. And so I'm always like just just talking it up. And But when I got together with Fathering Together, I was like, well, you know what, the school-based chapter, let me just start talking to the moms, right? And just say, hey, you know, if your husband's around, I don't I don't want to force it down their throats because <laughs> I think sometimes they get nervous and they're like, well, I'm barely here and I don't have time. I don't know if my husband, he's antisocial or very introverted. And I said, it's fine. I'm just no harm. Like, I just want you to know we're trying to start this local, you know, group. And if if they're down, here's the information. I'll text you the a reminder. And if nothing else, like we generated, you know, back in September, I did a call, a survey to get, gauge what families were interested in, what activities they could do. And then out of that 13 out of, I don't know, we serve 500 kids in my school district. And I think we had about 15 survey responses. So not a lot, but for me, it's like, hey, if I can connect with one person, then, then I'm good. And so we invited folks for a first time kickoff meeting and we had six of us show up to the school atrium at like seven o'clock on a Wednesday night. And I kid you not, I told Brian this afterwards because he was excited to hear about it. We had this one hour meeting. I gave them the spiel about fathering together and what we're about. I connected it to, you know, their stories as dads. We went around the circle. It felt like group therapy, by the way. And I kid you not, out of like six dads, there were three in the group who shared that they were really going through it in terms of fathering a a child with special needs. Mm -hmm. So, and it was a beautiful moment. Like I sometimes get emotional just thinking about it because these are dads that all of us are going through it in some way, shape or form. And if we don't talk about it, it just stays here and it's exhausting and it's, it's a lot, it's hard and heavy, but like these dads, one dad, two dads were like, oh man, my kindergartners just, it's a lot to deal with. And, and I'm in the school for other reasons, for meetings and with the, with the administrators. And then one other dad who's on the way out, like his kid's going to go off to high school. So he's on the other end of the spectrum, but he was just like, all he told them was, hey, dad, it gets better. And it was just like, damn, that's, and, and I looked at them, they were all like getting emotional because they were like, yeah, that's sometimes we just need to hear that it's going to get better. What a beautiful way of just like building community and vulnerability. And and that's something that I don't know what it's like, right? Because I'm not a man, but I've seen it through my dad. Mm-hmm. I've seen it through my grandpa, my husband, you know, all the male figures in my family. I know that they have feelings, but they don't express it. They don't talk mm-hmm. about it. And the only way that they perhaps talk about their feelings is when they're drinking beer together, you know, listening to ranchero music or whatever. That's the only time when they become vulnerable. But how beautiful it is, though, when you have literally a group of individuals who are also fathering, who are also parenting, who are going through the same struggle and how you can connect through conversation, you know, in these circles. Mm -hmm. And I often wonder, well, I wonder what went through my dad's like mind, or I wonder if he ever needed support or help, but it wasn't out there, or at least he wasn't aware of it. And so now with our generation, do you feel like it takes like self-initiative to search for like community within 
dads or if we feel like as a woman, right? Like I actually pushed my husband to be involved <laughs> through <laughs> Latino Dad Connection, which is another organization. I did an Instagram search and I was like, wow, like you should check this out because he has been struggling. Like I've noticed it. We all struggle as new parents. Yeah. And so like as a wife, as a partner, I wanted to make sure that he also got the, the help. Do you think that it all depends on the person or they're just not aware of it? Or, you know, how can, you know, sort of like dads become a little bit more involved if they know that they are struggling? You had a great example of like, you know, sometimes they just need a little kick in, 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 in uh, trasero, you know, like in the butt. <laughs> Como que, hey, they might be thinking about it. I think the right way to go about it is bring up the topic. If you are listening to this and you're a mom, ask your significant other, hey, like, have you ever thought about, you know, like going to a dad's group or, you know, there's a dad's group for everything. That's the first thing I'm going to say. So if your spouse likes Lucha Libre, there's one oh, out yeah. there. If he likes beer, there's one out there. If he likes baseball, one out there. Soccer, cigars. I have one for cigars. Yeah, you've got a that. podcast for cigars. Yeah, what? <laughs> that, that's our kind of like fatherhood is like the big equalizer. Like mm -hmm. when we are, when we talk fatherhood, we're all equal. We don't care like how much money you make or right. where do you work or what we just, we're just, we're all the same. Mm -hmm. So I think it's that kind of like where he has an interest and in, kind of like direct them through fatherhood, but mm -hmm. with a little sazon around that, you know, interest around that, he might not even notice it, you know? So it's <laughs> like, oh, I'm just going to soccer with a bunch of, of of other men and turns out it's a fatherhood group. So mm -hmm. I think that's the best way to go about it. And then you have different steps. Mm -hmm. and then you have, you know, being like conscious as a dad. And like, like Joe mentioned, there's different interests, whether you're a dad of, of a kid with a special need, or you want like, you know, join a bilingual dad's group, or you're a dad seeking to, I don't know, maybe you have a, a, a son or a daughter that plays a specific sport. So mm -hmm. I think that's kind of like the way to go about it. But I say it has to also come from the heart of the dad. It, it's a decision that has to make. Mm -hmm. We cannot be better. For me as a father, I cannot be a better esposa. You know, like I cannot be a better mother. It's my wife, the one who has to make this choice every day. Mm -hmm. I can encourage her. How do I encourage her? I bring up topics. I talk about how was your day. I talk about, you know, what are your goals, your dreams? What do we want to do as a family? What do you want to do by yourself? You know, it's, it's different topics. And then after I have all that information, I say, hey, here's something that I think you would like or you would value. And, and I think that's kind of like the way to go about it. Recently, in my case, my daughter had her ballet recital last week, and it was a lot of hours of rehearsing. It was crazy. It was, I'm going to be honest, it was a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. However, my wife, she decided to step up. And remember, I come from a, from a family that I'm always, I was always the one, you know, taking care of Stella. Like I was yeah. her first kindergarten day of kindergarten, first day of school, I was just, my heart was torn because she mm. was with me through the whole pandemic. Before the pandemic, you know, she, she was a baby and we spent countless hours together. My wife was deployed, you know, and I, and we were together for months, but she decided to step up and she said, don't worry, can you do Tuesday? 
I said, I got it. And she did Monday, she mm -hmm. did Wednesday, she did Thursday, she did Friday, and she volunteered on Saturday in the recital. And at the end, I was like, you're a champ. It's your, your champion. I said, thank you, because you really, really, really stepped it up. And that was her own personal decision. Mm -hmm. I bet if I had asked or pushed her to do all those things, it wouldn't have happened. So I think it, you, we have to inspire our significant others instead of mandarlos and, mm -hmm. and, and kind of like push them. It's more of inspiring as a partner. I think you're right. Because some I don't know. It, and I guess even from experience, sometimes we kind of have to tread lightly because otherwise even encouragement can be perceived as like, me estás mandando or like regañando or whatever and it's just like like stop you know so yeah i mean something that comes to mind too when i'm thinking of just in general like involvement i i'm coming to find out like the will is there like people the 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 intentions are are good right positive it's sometimes like how do we reframe the time because i am guilty of saying i don't have time like tell me about self-care i don't have time or i can barely survive you know and get the kids fed or bathed and you know go to work and so when i go to school and try to do pta they're like i'm lucky to just send my kids to school period so i think it's about sort of making it seem you know poco a poco like inviting people for what they can do so if i can share an example like i i felt there were moments this school year where I felt like this school group, the dad's group was not going to happen. Like it was just like we had a great first meeting, but that took a couple months. And um, and then I got busy and they got busy and life happens. And then before you know it, I was like, are we going to do anything this year before it's over, like a program or event? Finally, we rallied the guys that we had from six to a, a working group of four, which is great. And and then I delegated and we ended up settling on this event where we had donuts and we called it Dads with Donuts. And it was on a Saturday morning and it helped that the principal was all invested all the way in. He's a dad of a daughter, too. And so he's really all about like, yeah, you know, sign me up. How can I help you guys? Whatever you need. So we had this event and we had paper airplane contests. We had some other like giveaways and open gym time and stuff like that. And we, I didn't know how many people were going to come and, and we had RSVPs. We just needed to get some, you know, information for, for the next year, if it succeeds. Well, we had over a hundred RSVPs for this event. And then we had about 60 people actually show up, which I think was great, you know? Wow. And, and so we felt, I felt proud. The group felt proud. The principal, you know, gave us accolades, but I'll tell you, I met dads who just showed up and they're like, tell me more about this. But they're like, I don't know how I can help. And I said, man, just use being here with your kid today is just showing up. That's all you got to do sometimes. And I'm happy you're here. That was, I was like, you know, if you can give more, give more, you know, maybe donate your time for something else. So we'll see. Poco a poco. I think we got some goals for, for next year, but it was just a reminder that day of like, you know, we just got to celebrate the wins wherever we can. And, you know, I think consider it a win when people actually make themselves available and show up, you know, yeah. for us and for their kids. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it, just like taking one step at a time, ¿verdad? And especially for the newer dads, it is very overwhelming. It, everything changes, not just like the dynamic within your partner, like relationship, if you're with a partner, but also like the scheduling, the routine. Mm -hmm everything changes and right now we're kind of in this transition where we're now going to add an additional member of our family and that is going to change and i'm scared but you got this 
know. We're really excited. And, you know, this was obviously a choice that we made, but I always check in on my husband, like, okay, como estas? Like, how are you mm -hmm. feeling? You know, I, I love to ask him questions. I, I don't get to the point where I end up interrogating him, but sometimes mm -hmm. I feel like I do because he's such an introvert, <laughs> yeah. but that's just his personality. But I do notice that sometimes, you know, his like behavior changes or his like breathing style changes. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, maybe this is when I need to check in on him. And so specifically for like new dads, what would you advise like a Latino dad who is currently struggling with his new identity as a father? I'm just going to say, I'm going to keep it short. You are just accountable to yourself and your kids. So first of all, you have to know that, you know, all this built pressure from outside it is something that you don't have to live with, right? Mm -hmm. You can seek help, you can talk to others. There's different types of ways of getting rid of that pressure. I feel like when we have a kid, we I, I feel like I had like an armor, like I had this shell that I built around me because I want to protect my, my, my daughter so much. And I became kind of like duro, you know, like, you know, like, and my my wife she's like parece un abuelo like you look you know <laughs> like you look like you know my criado and then I noticed it was like I was afraid to be vulnerable because mm. I was afraid of being hurt and if I was hurt my daughter would be hurt and then I was like oh it's the total opposite right the more vulnerable I am the more I learn and the more tools I can offer my daughter so it's it's all of these are different stages and mm -hmm. you have to know that you can, you don't have to get stuck in that stage where you're like, you know, kind of like exploring the world for the first time as, as, as in the same concept and aspect as your newborn child or your small child. So don't get stuck in that phase. Enjoy life as a father, enjoy mm -hmm. life as your son or your daughter grows and enjoy these different stages. I think when I look back at our abuelos and dads, they kind of get stuck in, in, in stages because before, instead of the information that we have now, people who are listening to this are seeking information. Before it was like the, the miedo, like fear, like don't mm -hmm. do this because this will lead you to that. And sometimes you it wasn't even somebody in your family. It wasn't even yourself. It was some vecino or somebody told a story about something and people believed it. And yeah. ask yourself, why are you doing this? You are the only one that's accountable to yourself and your child. Your child will be the ultimate judge. So at mm -hmm. the end, what matters, it's, you know, when your child can speak, don't wait till it's too late because they are watching what we do every day. So you're accountable to yourself. Those old stories, it's in pasado. You know, break with the narrative. I don't think, you know, us as new fathers, just imagine how many tools you have in the, in the palm of your hand and your mm -hmm. phone. If you have a question, you will find tons of answers. So make sure that you grow as well as your children is growing. And then you are able to pass from one station to the other in a healthy way. I love it. I'm like, I wish I knew Sergio way back when. <laughs> well, I, yeah. This is me talking, but you know, I went through those stages too. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I remember my wife, one day she told me like, you know, you're too angry, like, or you're too, uh -huh. it was defensive. It was defensive. Uh, and yeah. then my mom also told me that when she was visiting, she's like, you look like you're a abuelo. 
your defense and i was like like abuelo oh oh wow right. like i don't want to be like that you know i'm too young to be that like grumpy right. old man and, right. and i started kind of like looking inside and i was like what is making me like this so it's a lot of reflection too i mm. think that's another add-on reflection yeah no i i think i totally co-sign on all of that i i think yeah i think the advice also is to keep in mind if you keep love at the center of how you're living because they're we're role modeling and and then also by the same token the kids are teachers we're teaching them but they're the ones i feel like are teaching us the most i think that's what's happening at the same time and so if we're able to lead and and be a partner who is loving you know but also love ourselves you know because that's something i i wish i would have done sooner in life if i could practice that self-love then it's 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 all going to be gravy after that i feel like yeah. yeah so for any anyone listening i think lead with love your heart and then trust yourself i don't know i think some of us can struggle with having the confidence to be a competent parent nobody has the the map <laughs> nobody you know yeah. and and i think as long as our kids know that we love them then we've done our job yes. so i i just say trust yourself and and give yourself that grace Yes, like no one is perfect. And I know that sometimes mm. like I see this in my husband, like how he struggles sometimes to be like the very conscious, like perfect parent. He wants to be as fully present. But sometimes when you put that pressure on yourself, you know, it's like you even get lost, even though you know what your intention is. Yes. And so I tell him, I'm like, you know, just take a deep breath, like it's okay. Like if we failed, it's okay. if We yelled a little bit, you know, I do that too. And, and I also recognize that I shouldn't be this perfect mom or la super mama, you know, like how everyone says, like, you know, we can't stretch ourselves too thin because that doesn't give us anything better. And so I think we just need to remind ourselves about that. And I love that piece about self-love because yeah, it is so true. That's everything. In spirit of celebrating Father's Day this month on the Viva La Mami podcast, what is your meaning of padrehood? I love it. Padrehood. <laughs> I am. Um, to me, it's being present or making the decision, like the intentionality behind, you know, what's being present. It Being present is not, not, not just being physically there, but being emotionally present and available. I think a lot of our fathers as Latinos were there, but they weren't emotionally available. They, mm -hmm. you know, they were there maybe sitting on a couch with the boots up and <laughs> came from work and had a beer, watch yeah. El Noticias or Don Francisco and all that stuff. <laughs> but they weren't emotionally available, like to really hear what your kid had to say. And I think that's why we seen such a generation before us of hombres that are like so hard, you know, they were hurt. Imagine you as a kid not being able to be heard or felt or seen and knowing that your dad was there, but he wasn't, you know, his eyes were on the TV or, you know, he had a rough childhood and it was just what's normal. He didn't have the, the choices that we have now, the different role models. Mm -hmm. So it's about being present, but also being emotionally available and, and knowing that, you know, we have this, this saying, and so super papa, that every day is a good day to be a, a super papa, because it's your choice every day. And not every day you have to be at a hundred percent. This is something we constantly talk about. 
what percentage are you today? I could say today I'm at 80%. Yesterday I was a 90. The day before that I was I was sick. I was like a 40. And and it's okay. It, it is okay. But next day, if you are a percentage, 1% more or even better than you were, that's an effort. That's something you're children are, are looking at every day and, and those around you. And I think also with the example of being a active and present and mindful father, your community will notice. Like mm -hmm. this is something people notice whether you go to the park, where you go to the mall, they're like, they, I look at other dads and I, I like to kind of like acknowledge them like non-verbally mm -hmm. when they're doing something, I go like, you know, and I, yeah, I give them a thumbs up or something because it's, it's, I, I think it's the, the best swag like we can rock, right? It's our yeah. children. I, I always say in Spanish, we have this thing, como el flow, right? Like in the reggaeton yeah. culture, a flow. <laughs> so I say el, el biggest flow that you can have as a man is be a dad. It's not the chains. Yeah. It's not the car. It's not the mansion. It's being a father to yes. me as a man. That's the biggest flow anybody can have. I love that. The flow. I'm gonna that's gonna yeah. stay. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I think for me, fatherhood is is also about learning and unlearning. That that for me personally, that's what this journey has been more recently is the process of of learning to be what I would aspire to be, to unlearn some of the things that maybe culturally haven't served my families or generations. And then also forgiveness for my parents. Like I, there's the little kid in me that then wonders what my dad was like at the, at this time in his life, raising kids. And my parents raised my brother and I, when they were 22, I can't even imagine, you know, I, of, of doing that at that time. And so I, that's allowed me to have grace for, for them as parents. And, uh, and then thinking, what the legacy will be, my legacy will be, right, and my children. That that fatherhood, yeah, it's a very humbling experience to say the least. But but I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love both of your answers. Like I I could see like the passion and the love that you have in what you do, and I think that if anything that comes out of this conversation is just how impactful you are contributing not just to the community or your own communities, but to your own children. So pat yourselves on the back because you are modeling the way and and that is beautiful. And it, there's nothing for me as a as a woman who is heterosexual, like there's nothing like attractive than seeing a father involved with their children. Right. Like kind of going back with the flow <laughs> there. It, <laughs> right? That's just like for me that that's a big turn on. Right. And I, I love that just because, you know, you are not just being a model figure for your kids, but also like you're not putting so much of the load to the mom as well. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll say that's big for me. Like I think. And again, it, it took I learned the hard way. But um, that's a lesson I continue to learn that she's exhausted. And, and if I can share you one soundbite from my wife was that I was guilty with the firstborn to sort of always turn to her as the expert. 
And I think other dads could probably relate. She's like, do you forget that I'm going through this for the first time? I, like, I'm a mom for the first time. And I'm like, yes. oh, my God, yes, you're right. Like, like no shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's not how yeah. I was showing up. Yeah, I wasn't right. showing up, right. you know, to show that I could share that burden as well. And yeah. But Joe, it's it's not just you. I think it's societal, too. You know, yeah. it, it, everything just defaults to the mom, right? Yeah. That they, they have this instinctual all of a sudden like feeling or you yeah. know like ways of of how to parent and it's like well no we're also learning yes and relearning really as well and yeah, yeah. but that yeah that's a really good point all right final question i have for you both what is one tip of advice you would give to a latino dad imagine fatherhood is a journey and you know when you start you they give you an empty toolbox right and this toolbox, in your journey, you will have lots of people that you will meet, lots of examples, role models, lots of opportunities to use those tools. I would say treat fatherhood as that toolbox and make sure from everybody that you have in your life, you get a useful tool, which you put in your toolbox. And there'll come a moment in life where you're going to need that specific tool and you're going to use it. And then mm -hmm. after that, you're going to pass on that toolbox to your kid. Mm -hmm. So it's a, you know, ongoing exchange of information, of, of tools, of needs that are being met or not met. I, I, you know, just treat it as that. Do that exercise in your head. What tools would I like or would I love to have? And yeah, and start, start from scratch, start today, get this toolbox, imaginary toolbox, or write it down in a piece of paper and start filling up your toolbox because there will be a time that you need a very, very specific tools, tools sometimes that we don't even know mm -hmm. we, 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 I mean, is there such a situation as X, Y, Z and believe me, we will, we will experience these rare situations and and if we're lucky enough we'll have that tool with us i'd say aside from checking out the soy super papa podcast <laughs> and <laughs> i'd offer the advice to so there's a tool that was shared from fathering together that was from a, born from another educator and it was a vision statement much in the way that we might have seen vision statements in school or in the workplace it, i think the exercise of just writing down documenting our goals for how we want our child or children to to see us, you know, when they're maybe 18 years old or 21 years old, you know, what what sort of relationship do we want to envision and and sort of document that? Because I think it's almost like vision boards where you see it, you know, you're more likely to manifest it, you know, and and follow through. So I think there's something to be said for just writing down some goals. But certainly if you are in a, in a, a relationship to check that, you know, your goals and make sure there's some alignment with your partner, you know, or spouse so that, you know, you're not in this alone. 
I love the visualization that you provided, Sergio, and then that tangible like vision that you can create. It, it gives me comfort knowing that you are two of many, 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 many dads out there that are involved, that want to make effective change, that want to bring other dads to the table, you know, to spark conversations, to share, you know, camaraderie and also community as well. I'm going to propose something. Let's yeah. let's send you all those links of the things we talked about, fathering together, Soy Super Papa, <laughs> the National at Home Dad Network, my friend Brian Salmon's book, Rocking Dads, oh. The Guide oh. to New Dads. All that stuff, I'm, we're, we're going to send it to you. And, and people who are listening to this, the audience, just visit at least one. I mean, we would love <laughs> you to visit all of them, but just have one of those resources available to you or your or your papa your spouse and make it available see what they think about about yes. the book about the organization about fathering together soy super papa you know i think there's there's something for everybody there well thank you both so much for sharing your stories your wisdom and your involvement and dedication and not just to your families but also to the community and even to yourselves like you're doing so much and know that you're making an impact. So thank you both so much for being here. Thank you. Gracias. Gracias, Jessica. And good luck. Thank you. You got this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to the Viva La Mami podcast. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a review and write what episode really resonated with you. If you really loved it, share it on social media or with an amiga. As always, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening. Make sure to follow me at Viva La Mami on Instagram or visit vivalamami.com. Please note the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be replaced by your healthcare provider nor taken as professional advice. <laughs>